Morning. morning. I always, I, I fight the urge every time I'm up here and say good morning to say, uh, to ask, oh, how are you? And I'm thinking there's no way I could receive all that information. Uh, my, my name is Nate. For those of you who don't know, I'm one of the pastors here at Community. Um, we're going to get into it today. Okay, we're going to get into it. Um, yeah, I'm not going to give you any more, any more details beforehand. But I will say this. 50 years ago today, May 7, 1967, 49 families gathered together in Roosevelt Elementary School's gym and held the first ever Community Reformed Church worship service. 50 years ago today. I know. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it too. <laughs> 50 years ago today, community was planted. Planted to reach an area of people, a community that was helpless. And, and what I mean by that is there was no institutional church in this area. This area has far more people today than it did then, but there was no body of believers that gathered to be a beacon. Community <laughs> planted because it saw a helpless community. And God was calling them there. God has been faithful for us, in us, and through us. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking back and celebrating that those 50 years. Today is not our celebration of our 50th anniversary. But I did find it interesting that 50 years ago today on this day, the first service took place. So as we look back over the, next, over the last 50 years, over the coming weeks, I also want you to pay close attention because we're also going to be looking forward. What's next? God's not done. He's not done with us. His kingdom isn't fully come. Work to do. And he's doing it. Because remember, Jesus said, I am always at work just as my father is always at work. There's more he wants to do with our body. But that's the coming weeks. This morning, I want to, we're going to look at one, one story. It comes from the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, actually, is where it's, it's found. And, and I know we're, we're not in that Gospel of Mark series anymore. That was, you know, we got done with that a few weeks ago. Week to week, we build, and we got this context that's growing, and this understanding, and we take this journey of what the author of Mark wants to communicate, what Jesus is doing, what the Holy Spirit wants to show us and tell us through his word. Uh, this morning's a little different. We're jumping right into the middle of the story, right into Matthew. So I want to give you a little context. Here's what's happened thus far. Some backstory to get us up to speed. Jesus has been a busy man. Up until this point in Matthew 9, he's preached his sermon on the mount. He's healed the man with leprosy. He's healed the centurion's servant. In fact, it says that many had come to Jesus over this time, and he healed them all. The woman of the issue of blood healed the little girl who was deceased, not in Jesus' presence. How do you stay dead around Jesus? She's raised back from the dead. <clears throat> he gives sight to the blind and casts out demons to loosen the tongue of the mute. Jesus has been busy. 
That's what we're picking up this morning. Matthew 9. We're going to begin verse 35. And Jesus, no, oh, actually pause before I get any further. This may not line up with your NIV or your NLT. I'm reading out of the ESV this morning, okay? I wanted to let you know, because otherwise, that, when that happens to me, it distracts me, and I want you to hear the word for the word, so no distractions. Verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them off and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are this. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out. Father God, we praise you for all that you are this morning. This is a gathering of a part of your body, Jesus, and we're gathered here because you are glorious. <laughs> the universe shouts of your glory. Your love is unrelenting. Your compassion is never-ending. Your grace is abounding. And our arms are open to it this morning. So Jesus, just as so many other preachers and pastors have said before, be with us this morning so we don't leave more inspired but more transformed. We don't leave informed, we leave conformed. Holy Spirit, make us look like Jesus. Make us look like Jesus. Amen. So up until this point, Jesus has done so much. And we're told in these verses that he went through all the towns, not some of them. He went through all the villages, not some of them. He taught in the synagogues. He preached the good news of the kingdom. Pause. Those were two different things. Did you notice that? Oftentimes we get those two combined, don't we? Preaching the gospel only happens in the synagogue church. They're two different things. He taught in the synagogues. He preached the good news of the gospel. He healed every disease, every sickness. Jesus was busy. His ministry is in full swing. Now, with all these miraculous acts of ministry and love, we can understand how the crowds gathered, can't we? I mean, obviously, swarms of people are going to be coming. He went to every town, every village. He healed every disease, every ailment. Obviously, people are going to be drawn. They're going to be following in his footsteps. They're going to want to be near him, whether it's to be healed or to witness. He's teaching in the synagogues. He's preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. In every spot Jesus stopped, there were people. 
seeking him out. Crowds, it says, plural. It says people upon people who didn't know God. People who knew God but had this legalistic understanding of who he was. Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law. There were insiders and outsiders. The sick and the well gathered. Those hurting and those seeking. The curious and the arrogant. The open and the indignant. The culturally thriving and the culturally beset. You know, the lepers, the Samaritans. Jesus drew them all in crowds. And when he saw these crowds, what does it say he did? He said, he looked up on the crowds and he said, get in line. You better change your behavior if you're going to follow me. How about this? You need to learn. So how about you show up to the synagogue and, and experience a, a, an afternoon of worship and you can hear my teaching and then you can get in line. Is that what Jesus said? Or, or did he ignore the crowds and did he go over to his disciples and say, hey, you guys are the ones that are really seeking. You get it, right? You get it. They're, they don't quite understand. They're, they're broken. So, so let's, just, let's just stay here. You follow me and then we'll figure this out from here. No, Jesus didn't do any of those things. He didn't do any of that. When Jesus saw the crowds, it said he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Jesus had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. Want a literal translation of that? Here's what what they, they mean. Beaten down and troubled. Weary. Jesus looks up at these crowds of people as he's going along teaching and healing, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and he sees many people. He doesn't just see a huge mass of people as one thing. He doesn't just see a crowd of humans. No, no, no. He sees crowds, plural, of individual faces, of individuals all gathered together. And they're, they're harassed and helpless They're troubled, they're weary, they're beaten down, they're broken. They know trouble because they know life. They're tired. Maybe maybe they've been, been shut down or shunned. Maybe they've been overlooked or taken advantage of. I don't know exactly, but I do know this, that life has troubled them and hasn't been easy. Life has beaten them down, and they're seeking good news. They're looking for hope because the world, the world certainly isn't giving it to them. And because of that, because they are harassed and helpless, Jesus has compassion for them. Compassion. Familiar with this word, right? We know this word. Yeah, I sponsor a kid with compassion. Yeah, well, okay. That word has so much more meaning than many of us realize. Compassion means to be moved internally. It's like a gut-wrenching turmoil deep within you. That's what this word means, compassion. To be moved with pity on your insides. 
to be troubled on another person's behalf. The Latin root word for this, this word compassion, the Latin root word literally means to suffer with. Moved to suffer with these people who are weary and troubled and broken down and battered without hope. Compassion. It's more than Jesus looking out at the crowd and seeing that they're suffering, seeing the need. He feels it deep within him. Gut-wrenching turmoil, suffering with these individuals. He feels it. Jesus looks at the crowd and he sees the need, but he doesn't stop there. I mean, so often we see the breaking news you know, headline and then we want to click to the next article because we saw it and we move on. So often we see the need of somebody and it's like, oh, you know what? Other people should see that. So we post it online. No, 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 that's not what Jesus did. He saw and he felt. It moves him. He sees the hunger, the confusion. He sees the homelessness and the faithlessness. He sees the oppression and the injustice, the pain, the turmoil, and it moves him. He feels it. Question. Are you familiar with that feeling? As I know, living in today's age, we are overwhelmed with photos and videos of hurt, aren't we? Pain. We're overwhelmed with these stories, the pains of people. So overwhelmed that I'm going to argue that it's easy to ignore the pain of those around us. We see so much that we aren't even moved anymore. On the news and on social media, we see people being shot. We see people being beaten down. We see people being oppressed, harassed. We see people protesting in the streets. And far too often, we're more concerned if they're going to go ahead and form a riot than we are with the pain that got them there in the first place. We read about starvation near and far, people without home or country, refugees without a people or a place to care for them. Christians, Muslims, and atheists, pause. I'm going to say that again because in this Western world, too often we only hear the first one. Christians, Muslims, and atheists being beheaded live on the internet by ISIS for the world to see. We see individuals who are a part of the system tasked to protect and serve, gunning down civilians. Now, before I go any further, I want to be very clear. Nate Hybor is not anti-police. Nate Hybor is anti-murder. Ever hear, hear Jordan Edwards eight, day, eight days ago, 15-year-old Jordan Edwards, shot and killed by a former police officer in Dallas. He's being charged with murder. I'm not anti-police. I'm anti-murder. You see a story of a woman in Grand Rapids. She's being held up at gunpoint, pursued at gunpoint in the street. She's walking to work. She flees into the road. Why? Because there's cars. She'll flag one down and the, and the, and the, the thief will leave. The car doesn't stop. Did you read this? It runs her over and it keeps driving. The thief then approaches her body, takes her stuff, and she's left with nothing but some time in the hospital. 
Domestic violence and sexual abuse litters our community behind closed doors and brushed under rugs. We see poverty and need standing with cardboard signs in our intersections. And we aren't even moved anymore. It's too familiar. Brothers and sisters, when was the last time that you cried for the hurting? When was the last time that you wept for the oppressed for injustice? When was the last time that we had compassion because they were harassed and helpless? I know it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable how comfortably numb we have gotten. Our souls callous, our our spirits clutch. We're numb. And we start thinking things like, it's West Michigan. No way racial injustice can happen here. We're safe from that. We think, well, what was, that, what was that lady doing running into the street? How could she expect somebody driving to be, to be ready for that? I mean, of course, there's an accident. I mean, I feel bad for her, but how could we expect the driver to be on alert while driving a car? We think things like, oh, man, abuse, that's so terrible. But you know what? If I turn my head this way and put up my hands, I don't have to deal with it. Starvation and hunger, it's as heavy on us right before we go to the fridge. We see, the, we see the people on the corner, poverty and need of the cardboard sign. And sadly, we think, I'm not going to give them any change. They're probably just going to buy booze with it. They should get themselves to the mission. We see hurt and need. We see the crowds. And far too often, we are calloused. But Jesus, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he felt their pain within. He suffered with them because they were weary, because they were hurt, because they were troubled and beaten down like sheep without a shepherd. Remember this story? Sheep without a shepherd. Shepherd's got a hundred sheep. One goes off, goes astray. It's lost. It's, It's weary. It's helpless. It's being harassed by nature around it. And what does the shepherd do? Jesus says, the shepherd says, 99, you stay here. I care for you, but there's one who's helpless and harassed, and the shepherd goes and finds him. Jesus sees the pain of these people. He feels their pain, and he takes action. That's compassion. He takes action. Wait, what action did he take? Don't forget the scripture. Right after he feels, he calls the disciples together. Come here, guys. Come here. Bring it in. He calls them together. And he says, think of all those you've encountered. Think of those crowds. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers, they're few. So pray, guys. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Because the weary, the hurt, the oppressed, the confused, the lost, the weak, the broken, the poor, the hungry, the belittled, and the battered those who don't know the restoration, those who don't know the comfort, those who don't know the love of our Lord, they are the harvest. They are his harvest. So pray. Pray to send out workers. Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. 
And I know Zealand is a farming community, but we're not all farmers anymore, so let me remind you. Harvests don't last forever. And then Jesus teaches them. He teaches his disciples how to teach in the synagogues, how to proclaim the gospel, right? And then it says he gives them all authority in him. He gives them authority to to heal every disease, to heal every affliction, to cast out demons. He gives them that authority. He gives it to them. Why? Because prayer is a precursor. Pray to the Lord to send someone to the harvest, and then Jesus is going to show you exactly how to do it, and he's going to send them. He sends you. Everything Jesus did, he just gave the disciples the ability to do. He said, oh yeah, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Now go. (laughs) That's like the ultimate switcheroo. Could you imagine? Oh yeah, I see the need. Let's pray, Lord. Let's pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Father, please send people because the world is broken. Okay, Jesus, I did it. Go. Oh, she just told me to go in the first place. I thought someone else was going to go. And the passage goes on after that. We didn't read it, but the passage goes on to say that, um, and it's a little hairy in the English, but in the Greek, this is what was meant. Jesus says, don't just go on this road that leads to Gentiles. Don't just go on this road that leads to Samaritans. Go to the Israelites as well. Go to Israel. Because they think they know God, but they don't got a full picture. They don't know me yet. Go to everyone. Yes, go to the Gentiles. Go to the Samaritans. And go to those who think they know God. And bring everyone compassion. Bring everyone my authority. Bring everyone me, Jesus says. You see, it's, it's, it's important to understand that, that when you're a follower of a rabbi, when you're a disciple, you are, then, you are then expected to do what the rabbi does. So when you've learned, you now do the work of the rabbi. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, take my compassion and go be compassion. Take my work and go do the work. What I do and what I did, you do. The work of Jesus had to become the work of his disciples. Now let me ask you, is that true of you? Are you doing the work of your rabbi? And if you're uncomfortable right now and there's a part of you that says no, then let me ask you another question. Who is your rabbi? Because we all do the work of our rabbi. Who's your rabbi if you're not doing the work of Jesus because it's somebody or something. Brothers and sisters, 50 years ago today, Community Reformed Church, 49 families, a group of people had compassion for this community. They saw a need and they planted a church community. And during the maturing of this body of believers over the last 50 years, many, many, many have come to Christ. Maybe you yourself came to Christ here at Community, or maybe you came to Christ somewhere else, but as a part of Community, you loved people into an understanding and a relationship with Jesus Christ because of this place. I'm going to tell you, and the first service knew these people, and maybe some of you do, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Paul and Helen Highboard, they're my grandparents, my father's parents. 
50 years ago, they sat in Roosevelt Elementary School's gym. Why? Life had been hard, had its pains. They needed something new. They needed hope. They needed to be a part of a group that, that had hope, that knew hope, and that, that was starting something new. They wanted to be a part of something bigger. <clears throat> and so they launched from first reform in Zealand to community. My other grandparents, my mother's parents, Wink and Sally Bletch, Wink has since passed. Their family lived in Holland and, and moved to the Zealand area. My, my grandfather opened up downtown Zealand, the Wink Shoes, one of three stores. It was the first of three shoe stores that my grandfather owned. And my grandfather, <clears throat> he and Sally, they wanted to be a part of something new. They wanted to be in the community. They wanted to have the finger on the heartbeat. So they transferred from Christ Memorial to community. They launched to community. They weren't there the first Sunday, but they joined when Roosevelt was still the home of Community Reformed Church. Both my mother and father came to know and love the Lord because of this place, because of these walls, because of you people. And then they were married. And they kind of caught the church planting bug themselves, much like my grandparents. And they, right before I was, about two years before I was born, they launched from community to peace reformed in Zealand. That's where I entered into the covenant through baptism. In 1985, after my sister was born, after my sister was born, they moved back here to community. My whole family. 1995, you people, these walls, this place celebrated with the heavens as I came to know the Lord publicly for the first time. This place, these walls, you people were there when I got my call into vocational ministry. Grieving with me when life knocked me down, but you wouldn't let me stand, stay down. And many of you may not know this, but when life hit me the hardest... This place, people from this place, this place, these walls, you people, picked me up, stood next to me, and you didn't say, oh, yeah, by our strength we'll hold you. What you said is God is good. God is good no matter how tough this world is. God is good. And you stood by me until I could stand on my own. I went from boy to intern. I went from intern to junior high director, junior high director to student ministries director, student ministries director to apprentice and apprentice to pastor. I grew. This place, these walls, you people celebrated. When life's hurt turned into a divine intervention, when the Lord brought my bride to me. And this place celebrated when we, when we were united in marriage. Not Chelsea and I, Chelsea and I and Jesus. United in marriage in this place. This place, these walls, you people, you celebrated with me. When, when my first child was baptized, you celebrated with me when my second and third child were baptized. They're twins, they go together. And then you will, you will celebrate with me soon when my fourth child is baptized. This place, these walls, you people, you are largely responsible for not only my knowing the Lord, but for my children knowing the Lord. And loving him. And you worked diligently to make sure that I grew as an individual. I'm no longer that little boy. To grow as an individual, to seek what God has for me, to get in line with his will. And I thank you. All because of a compassionate heart 50 years ago. 
Now I got to tell you, there is a world, this is so bad, preachers are never supposed to turn their back in the audience, but there is a world, if you can't tell, community's at the bottom of that screen right there. There is a world out there in this county, Ottawa County, that is harassed and helpless. There is a world out there that's hurt and troubled. It's in need. This area is not as Christian as you think it is. We are average as far as American statistics are concerned. And the Lord that you raised me up to follow, the Lord has, has put in me a passion, an existential tension to reach the lost and the broken, the hurt and the weary. I've got compassion. I feel it. It keeps me up at night, ladies and gentlemen. It keeps me up at night. To plant a church, not a new church, not a separate church, the church. The church. Why? Because the full gospel needs to be put on display for the kingdom's sake. Because there is a missional opportunity. A missional opportunity in this community that doesn't know any bounds. It's multi-everything. Multi-generational, multi-racial, multi-everything. Just like the kingdom. Revelation is going to look like we all gather every tribe, every nation. This passion has been put within me. We're the 99, but there's one out there, and I need to go. But I don't want to go alone. Right now you're thinking, is Nate doing his, like, his farewell sermon? No, I'm on the payroll for until you'll let me go. <laughs> well, this is Nate. You don't have a plan? Nope. <clears throat> See, because I want to, God's put this in my heart. I, I want to do this with community. I want to take the essence of community. Everything about community that I can say, they, they, they love me through it. They brought me up to love the Lord. All the things that make us great, because we're not all great, the easy killer. We're falling too. Everything that makes us great is Jesus, right? And I want to take a bit of us, and I want to go find that need. And I want to feel that need. And I want to respond to that need by letting this community go for the gospel's sake. To grow it, not to be separate and competing, no, to be the church together. No, let me tell you, community doesn't have some secret plan that you don't know about. Well, I didn't know we were doing that. How much is that going to cost us? That's not what I'm saying. Okay? It's not free, but that's not what I'm saying. Community doesn't have a plan to do this right now. The leaders of this church, leadership, know of my heart. They know what God is doing in my life. They know. I've been honest. This is why I turned down that the possible job a few months ago, right? I have to plant. I have to do this. Because I have compassion that's been given to me by Jesus to do his work. And I want to do it with you. I want to do it with you. But if God says community has something else and it's a no from community, that's okay. Because I trust God. But he's saying yes to me. I got to go. So we pray together, don't we? The harvest is plentiful, Lord. <laughs> workers are few. So send the workers. I made that mistake. Prayed it once. Now I got to go. Now I got to go. I'm looking at my rabbi and I'm thinking, it's time for me to mimic you. Last week, Todd Benek came here and spoke. Awesome. Mission India, right? came here and spoke, and he talked about glocal ministry. Remember, uh, he accidentally made up a word and then just used it. 
That's, that's brilliance. If you can make up a word and use it, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, glocal. We didn't give him enough credit. <clears throat> He's talking about glocal ministry. And we are global in our church planting, right? We're, uh, Pastor Trent, Pastor Doug coming back from Hungary right now where they were looking in on, on church plants. And I'm sure they're going to come back and say, we can do more. We're partnered now with Mission India, planting churches in India because the gospel is going boom and we want to be a part of it. Planting churches in India. Well, we got the global thing down. You guys hear that church plant by community yet locally? Yeah, me either. Glocal. I know a boy who grew up and became an intern, then became a junior high director, became a student ministers director, then an apprentice and a pastor who's becoming a planter. And I'm not saying it's God's will. I want you to pray through it, but I'll tell you what, I'm willing and ready to go with you into the need, the rest and the helpless, with compassion, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom, <laughs> sharing the gospel, healing the sick and those with ailments, casting out demons. Let's go. So community church, I'm going to wrap this up because you're already sick of me preaching. That was a joke. You're allowed to laugh. <laughs> community church, I'm going to encourage you. Whether we do this together or I do it individually and you do your things individually, that's fine. Uh, community church, I, I encourage you to look upon the crowds. See their need, feel their need, respond and take action. Have compassion because our rabbi did. Community church, we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are his bride. We are the lighthouse calling people home. We are the city on the hill. We are a beacon. Be the beacon. Because friends, the harvest doesn't last forever. So individually and together, we have to mimic our rabbi, Jesus Christ. And it all starts with compassion. He called 12 normal guys, and now he's calling us. We have to have compassion because they are weary, lost, hurt, and alone. Because they are harassed and helpless. We have to have compassion because they are. They are his harvest. You once were too. Pray with me. Jesus, uh, <laughs> thank you for being our rabbi. Thank you for being our example. Holy Spirit, give us strength to follow you. Holy Spirit, give us guidance to seek you. To stay not but a step behind you, never in front of you, never too far behind. <laughs> Father, gracious with your love, so we can reflect it to this world. And Jesus, show us compassion every day so we can look upon the crowds and see individuals who hurt and suffer with them for the sake of your kingdom. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name, because it's the name above all names. It has all authority over heaven and on earth. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And we are your co-heirs, your children, because of what you've done. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder, world vision. If you're hearing that yes, don't say no. Come up here after the service, okay? And I want you to think and start praying. How cool would it be if that crowd right now that is harassed and helpless, how cool would it be if in 50 years 
they're gathered together with us, unified. One church, multiple congregations coming together and saying, yeah, I know the Lord because of that place, and my family knows the Lord because of that place, and my neighbor does, and this community has changed because the kingdom's coming. I can say that, and, this, and it gives me great joy. Let's go share that truth with the world. So our benediction from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go mimic your rabbi.